Hello, the internet, and welcome. I am a little loud, I apologize. Welcome back to another episode of the Best of Fives. Uh, all praise, Lord Chi. No more bans. All hail China, etc., etc. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host over here, John Velociraptor Guerrero, who's very much out of frame, but that's okay. And uh, our boy, Steve, over there hanging out at the docks. Steve, main squeeze offsuit jerk. Now done God that. damn it. Ah, there it is. God damn it. That's Why can't that die yet? Good luck. It'll never die. Uh, <laughs> but tonight on the show, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of stuff. Uh, there is a new PlayStation, so get ready. And they have uh, they announced that one of the features that they're going to have on this new PlayStation Five is that uh, the L two and R two triggers are going to be uh, variable sensitivities depending on what game you're playing, and also variable feedback. So if you're pulling a bow, it's going to be harder to push it down. It's going to be great for fighting games. It's not. Uh, there's also a lot of shenanigans. Uh, let's try not to get banned by China. Right? There was a lot of tournaments. There's a lot of ch- great Chinese things. Please don't ban us, China. We, <laughs> we like it. We like China. Uh, and yeah, that's all I remember wait, about wait, the rundown. Wait. Have I killed? Are we sure we like China? Thing? Are we sure? What are we sure about? The how much we love China. We absolutely do. You're right. Yeah, China's great. China is great. Nobody... I had I went. I had See? May made Chinese food for for lunch. My thinking was we were just going to name, go with the name of the episode and then just ignore it and let the joke stand on its own. Look, Steve, we can't ignore but China. I, it's impossible. I have, uh, I have unleashed something terrible here, and I apologize. Yeah. We, we can't ignore China, Steve. They're great. All right? And you know what else is great? How about that good old patented Steve main squeeze offsuit recap? This is one of the... L- Biggest recaps we've ever had. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, before we go on, we do have to say a uh, big thank oh, yeah. you to Die by Sword, Puzera, and Subway Wang for your subs, your resubs. Uh, Die by Sword and Puzera have been uh, subscribed with us from pretty much the beginning. 24 months. That is two years. That is two whole years. That is two whole years. And it's insane that uh, we've got that sort of support, so we are really thankful. We really do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, and it's also Subway Wang's birthday, so should we try singing Happy Birthday? No, no, no. We did that last time. Okay. I, I would sing you the Mexican uh, birthday song if I could remember the words. Can or could speak Spanish. Okay. Uh, also, Beaver, for the win, for the 23 months. Thank you, Beaver. This is deaf. This is sign what? language clapping. I don't okay. think that is. It is. What did you think it was? Spirit I thought fingers? that was just jazz hands. That is, it's also jazz hands. Do you know what the difference between jazz hands and spirit fingers are? No. It's you know? the twist versus the flick. Well, yeah. Uh, with jazz hands, you don't move your fingers at all. That's a misconception. Like People think this is jazz hands, but it's not. This is jazz hands, and these are spirit fingers. So there you go. It's everybody like learned. you learn something, stream. Yeah, everybody learned something today, but don't learn too much. Or else China will hate you. No, hey, hey. Wow, wow. Now, and and rightfully so. <laughs> Steve, you said this is the longest recap ever? The longest yeah, recap. you know the, how I normally like have a rundown of all the non-Pro uh, Tour games? 
yeah. at these at these big events. I had to cut that because oh, there's just so much going on. Yep, I I'm gonna to try to hold my breath for your whole recap. Ready? Don't do that. Wait, I had I don't to, want I had to, to load every single graphic onto my computer so I know how long it is. And John, yeah. you are gonna have a good time. Just please don't pass out. All right, kicking things off with the Street Fighter League reaching the halfway point. The U.S. Street Fighter League, I should say, because uh, we're getting close to the start of the Japanese Street Fighter League. Uh, Knuckle Doo and his team Gale. You know, it wasn't a 3-0, but it was another strong performance. Uh, or uh, That's what I would say, except he was actually on the losing side to uh, Dual Frost. And his uh, or Dual Kevin's team Frost, uh, and he had himself a little bit of a pop off. If you watch that, um, it was probably the pop off of the season so far. Uh, he has been here. Oh, Talking to Rob TV, he has been here. So, uh, Dual Kevin getting the win, uh, handing Team Gale their first loss of the season. Inferno getting another win, so they're getting close to five hundred. And uh, Storm. Uh, with a 3-1 win over Team Psycho, moving up to second as of now in the standings. Uh, but halfway point, everyone's still in contention for those playoff spots. Word. Uh, kicking it over to the weekend events, and we're just going by game. Uh, two of the final three DOA 6 World Championship events took place this past weekend. One of those was at Ultimate Fighting Arena over in France, and it was another win for Excalibur Blades, taking it over Seological, Seologica, excuse me, in the grand final. Uh, Mr. Quiggle uh, getting thir- third place as well, a big result for him in the standings. Uh, you see get, get Hackball, Kai Dragon, and uh, Comic Ari. All three of those players were in the top three of the European standings heading into the weekend. So good results for them. Uh, on the other side of the, of the ocean was the fall classic. Uh, and this one was won by the other American player. Who's won an automatic qualifier, Killy, uh, taking it over Dragomasta in the grand final. So congratulations to him for picking up his second tour win of the season. We take a look at the global standings, and much of it is decided. Uh, you see on the Asia side, it's almost pretty much a done deal. Seologica and KSK uh, have locked up their spots. Terrorock will win as long as Linerback doesn't register and win the final event over at uh, East Coast Throwdown. Uh, same situation in Europe, Kai Dragon and Kamikari in qualifying position as long as no european enters they are going to make the finals uh tighter race for the american spot uh that is going to come down to the wire for those last uh especially those last two places uh kicking things over to mortal combat and we had the last two events of the intercontinental uh combat circuit so this is europe asia uh australia fighting for one of those spots in the finals. Uh, Video Game Joe got another win, uh, this time in the offline event at Ultimate Fighting Arena. He, however, won an online qualifier earlier, so the the, uh, qualifying spot for the Intercontinental Finals went to Dizzy. Uh, So congratulations to them in an all-UK final. Uh, They will be joined by uh, Dubasik of Russia, 
who won Igramir uh, this weekend as well. Or he actually finished second uh, behind Sacron, but same situation. Sacron had already won an online qualifier, so Dubasic gets the final spot. That is your list of the eight players who will compete at DreamHack Winter. The winner of that goes to Final Combat 2020, which should still be a movie title. Uh, Let's take it over to Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, Ultimate Fighting Arena was also a Tenkaichi event on the DBFZ World Tour. And if you were a French fan, you had plenty to cheer about. Wawa getting the win over Kane. An all-French grand final. Uh, Shanks representing Europe as well. Uh, Sonic Fox finishing outside the top four. Bit of a surprise. It's his worst uh, finish at a DBFC World Tour event this season. But still ain't bad. You know, still making top six. Uh, So Wawa gets the win. Helps himself tremendously because if we look at the global standings now with just four events remaining, Wawa is now on the good side of the cut line. He is in eighth place. uh, A bit of breathing breathing room between him and... uh, Tachikawa, who is the last man in as of right now, but still four events to go, including two uh, saga events. Always stay on the good side of the line. The good side of the line is where you want to be. Kick things over to the Tekken World Tour. Uh, They had an event out in California, Electric Cancel. This one was won by JDCR, who took it over the American hero, Jimmy J. Tran, in the grand final. Uh, only American to make top four. Uh, you see Rest and John Ding uh, getting third and fourth, respectively. John Ding had, or Jimmy J. had to put himself through quite a bit of a run in losers. Uh, he lost in top 32. Dang. Took it all the way to grand final. So pretty impressive run there. But JDCR could not be stopped on this day. Uh, we can take a look at the global standings for the Tekken World Tour. A little bit of a shift in the numbers. That's not necessarily because of results. A uh, little bit of bookkeeping here. Um, I had previously pulled the standings from the Smash.gg page. I talked to uh, someone associated with the Tekken World Tour. Uh, there had been some issues, uh, notably the um, unverified points. So we are going from here on out from the TekkenWorldTour.com website, which is the official standing. So top 19 has not changed. Asim still the last man in. Rest with his third place performance now moves up to 20th. So he is just outside the door. Uh, It was also a Street Fighter Capcom Pro Tour event uh, was Ultimate Fighting Arena. And it was the final ranking event in the European circuit. So we would know who the last eight players would be playing for a spot in Capcom cup after today. One of them won't be punk, uh, but he is the winner. He takes it over Takamura in the grand final. He might as well move to France. Uh, he won this, he won the mix up. France seems to be uh, treating them pretty well. Uh, but you see Takamura, with a strong performance, he was right around on the border of the qualification line for the European final. So strong, strong performance for him. Uh, 
what that means is that we now know which eight players will be competing at EGX for a spot in Capcom Cup. Before we uh, go top- there, Steve, before yes. we go there, we have to acknowledge the Digital Sword has resubscribed. Thank you, Digital Sword. Sword fight between Digital Sword and Die by Sword. Are you okay, John? He was. He's just contemplating how much he loves our Chinese overlords. Oh, boy. All right, anyway, we're about we're this. seriously going to get banned. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, Problem X, Big Bird, Phenom, Infectious, Angry Bird, Takamura, Mr. Crimson, and Luffy grabbing the last spot. Uh, those are the A players who will compete in the regional final on the final day of EGX. Uh, that is preceded by an open premiere event, remember. so <laughs> Couldn't do it. I told you it was a long recap. Oh, yeah, we're not even, like, halfway done. I'm kidding. We're uh, probably a little over halfway done. But before we go on, Trevzor also, he's been here for a long time. Thank you, Trevzor. Trevzor, 16 months. Thank you. He's been here Thank way longer you very than much. that, though. Don't let that sub count fools you. And thanks for using your Twitch Prime. You know, remember, you can use a Twitch Prime to get a free sub. And if you forgot about it, you might as well use it here because you're going to forget about it again. Cool. Anyway. Sound logic. Yes. Uh... Let's kick it over to uh, Furiatika, which was the other CPT event this weekend. Hey, this what? was the last. I was going to ask, why was it? I didn't know it was the last. Why is it the it last? It is the, the last Furiatika. They said uh, that this would be it for the uh, organizing team. So they went out with a bit of a bang. Uh, at DR Mandrake. I've been calling him Mandrake for so long. Hey, I have a I question, Steve. Yes. What's the DR in his name? Uh, stands for Dominican Republic. Okay, why is he got a USA? Because as of now, he uh, lives in the USA. Oh, okay. He is. He is. Damn. Offici- he is officially listed as an an American according to uh, the Capcom Pro Tour site, and this is important. I'll show you why in a little bit. Uh, he just but my- cornered Steve, but he's Rashid, so he jumped out of the corner. With no problems at all. <laughs> uh, but Mandrake taking it over Mena in the grand final. Justin Wong uh, rounding out the top three. Uh, so we've got uh, two Americans in the top three. DR Mandrake getting 200 points, which would be enough to qualify or the... Which, which would have been enough to qualify him with his previous performances for the regional final. However, since he's American and not DR, he is not part of the the uh, Latin American leaderboard. Was he part he of t- DR before this tour uh, happened? I I I believe he lived there in the past. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I, I since the beginning of this season he's been in the US, right? I had I had him listed on here previously because I got hit by the DR mix up. Yeah, always. Well, everybody gets hit by the DR mix-up. Look who's in first. So, uh, Mena, with his second-place finish, takes the top spot in the regional standings. Uh, he'll be joined in the. He'll be joined at first attack by Zenith, Picaro, Dark, Doomsnake, El Tigre, Keoma, and uh, Lilo. So, five different countries represented in the uh, Latin America regional final. Why can't we get that with North America? Uh, cause we technically only consist of two countries. Fucked up. 
even though North America still includes According, all of Latin America. It, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't make the rules. I don't draw the lines. That's Pretty all. Sure Mexico is part of North America, isn't it? Yeah, all of it, Latin it America. It is, but we don't talk about it. We yeah. don't talk about it. The only the only thing that's not part of North America is South America, and I'm not even joking. Yeah. El Canada's Tigre. like North America's hat. El Tigre, you know. <laughs> I, you you got to pull for El Tigre. There aren't too many uh, players sponsored by wrestling federations, so. <laughs> Cute. No, that's it, true. Triple A. He oh. is actually sponsored by a wrestling organization. Oh, so it's like the amazing, awesome A's. I forget what it stands for, but it's one of the two big ones in Mexico. Oh, cool. So he actually so, is a real life LT Gray. He, he, he very well could be. Someone send him a mask. Probably already has one. Uh, Let's take a look at the global standings for the CPT. Six events left, so we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, we've got the the top 26 unchanged. Mena with his strong performance this weekend, now within 100 points of that cut line. So he can still get in, uh, especially if he does well at the uh, Latin America premiere. Yeah. So even if he doesn't win. Uh, he's still in very strong position to qualify. Takamura as well, uh, getting close to that cut line. So possibly in play for that top European spot if someone like uh, Phenom wins the regional final. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, remember what we just said. You got to be on the good side of the cut line. You got that's it, it's we're getting down to the nitty gritty. So, yeah. Also, you live life. Also, remember last year how Punk was like. Bonchan fanboy. Do yeah, he's think, always been. Do you think he is fangirling at the fact that him and Bonchan are tied at point numbers right now? They're not tied. It's thirty-seven seventy-five. Oh to well, it looks the same, and I'm illiterate. All right, it is very close. Punk within twenty points of that top spot. Well, your typos are wrong. <laughs> That's not even a. So you're saying my typo is a typo? Yes. By not being a typo? Yes. That is impressive. I can't read. So, uh, this weekend, in addition to all of that we've talked about, it was the first weekend of the SNK World Championship qualifiers. So, both Furiatika and uh, Ultimate Fighting Arena were qualifiers for both their SNK uh, games. We're talking King of Fighters 14 and Samurai Showdown. On the KOF side, score is headed to the world finals. He got the win at uh, UFA over White Ash X. So Japan has a representative in the finals already. They will be joined by Violent Kane of Mexico. He knocked off fellow Mexican player Carlos L in the grand final uh, to take the Furiatica title. So Violent Kane is headed uh, to Japan for the SNK World Championship. Also, sorry, uh, I sorry to the chat. I forgot to switch the graphics, but I want to go back to Ultimate Fighting Arena. Steve, I am disappointed yes. in you at this graphic. Why? Look, bottom left, score qualifies for NCK World Championships. You could have totally said score scored an automatic qualifying spot at SNK World Championships. I'm upset at you. Well, be pre prepare to be upset again. Because oh let's look at the uh, UFA results for Sam's show. 
It's a double dip for score. Uh, beat Benji Buckley to win the Sam Show title at UFA. So one trip, two tickets punched. He is he's going to double dip at the SNK uh, World Championship. And a man who knows about placing well in multiple games will be there as well. Justin Wong uh, getting the win over Kusanagi at Furiatika. So Jay Wong, Jay Wizzle, uh, the tier list master, whatever you want to call him. He is headed to the SNK World Championship in Japan. All right, so that's so, it, right? Uh, one more event took place this weekend. Um and it got some people talking for, for uh, n- maybe not the best reasons. Uh, Big House was this weekend. If you're a Smash fan, you know what that's all about. If you're not a Smash fan, this is one of the bigger events of the year. Uh, the Melee tournament was won by Mango, uh, who took it over Zane in the grand final. That's not what everyone's talking about. What is everyone talking about? Everyone's talking about those numbers on the right. <laughs> What's wrong with them? Uh, some people are saying they're looking a little low for uh, the prestige of, an, of the an event on the level of Big House. Okay. Uh, especially towards the bottom. Uh, you have Lucky and IBDW uh, taking home 270 bucks for their top eight performance. Okay. Well, where else is that money going to come from? We'll, we'll talk about that later. Because uh, that's been uh, – that's sort of – Started up a, another conversation about uh, prize pools and how they should be raised and how they shouldn't be raised. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Well, I'm just saying, the like Nintendo, Nintendo ain't going to put pop <laughs> pop bonuses for melee. <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get into that in a bit. <laughs> I don't want to get into um, it now, but before we do that, what's coming up next week? And uh, not as many events as uh, we had this weekend, in ter- oh, at least in terms of the pro circuits. Uh, obviously, round six of the Street Fighter League is this weekend. Uh, but we also have two big events. Uh, Brazil Game Show, uh, if you're an, a Mortal Kombat fan, that is the premier event for the pro competition. Uh, and then you want to watch eight, the Southeast Asia Major. Uh, this is a big event on... CPT, it is not only an open premiere, but it's also the Asian Regional Final. Uh, it is also part of the Dragon Ball Fighters World Tour this year. So, uh, big event. What's wrong with my keyboard? I don't know. But also remember, they're going to announce chips enough there. So everybody watch. Yes. And there, we will have uh, some sort of trailer for Guilty Gear 2020 that as well so yeah and something else too uh i don't know when they put this announcement out but i saw it right before we went on the air uh at brazil game show capcom says they have a big announcement which of course is already leading people to set themselves up for failure or uh, it's not failure be the but, intel world open yeah probably. they're gonna say either hey brazil is a country that's competing in the olympics so get your get your zangiefs gigantic zangiefs and super abigails ready <laughs> Or they're going to announce a stage. I, I, I do feel it's going to be the uh, uh, Intel Open uh, because we started getting those announcements already. Yep. Um, Want to jump into that? Sure. Uh, yeah. So we found out at New York Comic Con, which was this past weekend, that uh, the U.S. is indeed one of the countries that will be competing in the Intel World Cup Olympics. I am shocked. 
I could have never imagined. I, I, I am beside myself. Yeah, I don't know what made them come up with this crazy idea that the U.S. is one of the competing countries there. I don't think I don't think we deserve the spot. It, it, it's tough to say. Should have given it to China. Should have given it to well, China. Well, it is very possible that they'll get one of those twelve. Uh, but uh, we did find out some details of the U.S. qualifying yes. process. Um, so in case you were to, to get some clarification on it, let's jump into the first picture. I'm putting up the graphic. It's there. Okay. So, um, 12 national teams will, will be selected or 12 nations will be selected. Each of them will have a qualifier. Um, the winners of those and the winners of regional qualifiers, uh, to be determined later will all meet in Poland. Uh, the top seven of those teams will go to the uh, finals at the Tokyo Olympics. They'll be joined by Team Japan, who gets the automatic qualifier into the uh, finals. Yeah, what the hell is that? It's sort of, it, I mean, it's similar to the Olympics, where the host nation always gets uh, players, not necessarily into the finals, but... They get qualified. Uh, right. You, you know, the, you have to... Um, you have to meet, go to a certain number of events. If if you're from a c- country other than the host nation, you have to, you know, either your sp- your country gets a certain number of spots, or you have to go to certain events to do that. Whereas uh, the host nation has players qualified and teams qualified for every Olympic event. Yep, it's so the same. Yeah, it's line. the same thing in the World Cup where everybody is like vying for that group stage spot, like one of what, like the sixty four, I think. Uh, and and oh, 32 now. In. Oh, 32 yeah. now. Yeah, you're right. Going to be 48 in uh, six years, seven years. Okay. Well, is this coming World Cup is in Qatar, right? Uh, no. No? No, no, you're right. You're right. 2022 is Qatar. Yeah, it's and then Doha. 2026. Yeah. 2026 is uh, the United bid. Yeah. So U.S., Mexico, Canada, mostly right. U.S. Yeah. But with all this said, uh, thanks, Blue, for the twelve months. Big, uh, big shout out there. Wait, 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 wait. Keep clapping. There we go. I got, him, I got us back. All right. Thank you, Blue. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, uh, keeping going with the, the uh, the thing here with the national qualifier pro- progression system. So, um, for the teams that have national qualifiers. Uh, there are going to be eight online events that act as qualifiers. The top eight from each of those will advance to a 64-person tournament at the end, which will also be online. Um, and then the top four of that will become the national team uh, for. Nice. So, yeah, top 64 determined entirely by online. Yep, and I, can't wait. I, can't, I can't wait for Ryu Dragon God to be representing the U.S., like, yeah, exactly. He, he, they might get a VPN and uh, in Canada. Yeah, that is true. How do you guys feel about it being determined online? Not that there's all that. I mean, it's obviously much more efficient in a lot of ways to do it online because you don't have to put everybody in the same roof and such. So I get it. But when you have, like, this Olympic title, someone wins it. Is there an asterisk automatically next to their name because they qualified online? Or There, there would have been one regardless. And it's local. Yeah, there would have been an asterisk there regardless, whether it was online or offline. 
Why is that? Because not everybody else is going to be able to make it to an offline thing. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, end of the day, here's the situation, I think. Uh, I Let me put this out there. I don't know what the actual situation is. This is just my assumptions, which makes an ass out of me and you. Uh, but I think doing stuff online is a little bit easier, both on the wallets of everybody and on the um, like on a logistical uh, viewpoint as well, right? Because it's like here you go, sign up and be there at the be at your house and play at this time. There, done. You don't need to like worry about people traveling. You don't need to worry about uh money you don't need to worry about nothing yeah but you know as we know online is not necessarily the most ideal way of deciding who's the best but it's what we got so you're right it is what we got and i don't have a better answer than that but at the same time and this just might be because i'm from like a a, a chapter before online was as big or like right before it kind of got started like it is but I mean, I'll be watching whoever wins that, and, and then I'll be constantly going, you know, yeah, but it was online. Yeah. And and that that's not necessarily the right way to approach it. That's just what mm-hmm. I know, like, my mind and my heart will be at. But Do you do you feel the same way about Samurai and Dankadias in SFL? I know those guys uh, and their, their abilities offline as well, though. Um, no, I don't. I don't feel that way. But uh, it's because I have personal experience with both of them. Mm-hmm. So... What about? But what, I mean, like I said, I don't the, have a. Who else were the? But I mean, would that be, would that be fair to someone from like Nebraska who may be a great player but can't and get to like a Wednesday, right? Yeah. Can't get to a Wednesday night fights or next level. Yeah. So, be, so it's not because they don't, they they aren't good enough to get on or to do well offline. They just don't have those opportunities. Right. Yeah. Yep. Offline is a privilege to some. And and we also have plenty of tournaments uh, in like i guess you could say the more traditional sense where people can travel and participate at them and and we've got all that going already so it's not like this is taking that's place or something like that right. so I, I guess there really isn't an issue i just when you hear olympics and you want it to be like the biggest grandest stage of them all and it's certainly Do you i don't see that being that to me i mean i I'll, I'll be honest i the way i'm taking this whole thing is it just feels like a side gig at the olympics it's like Hey, look the oh, Olympics! Well, yes, the but... Olympics! Uh, look at all these people striving for the fucking like edge of humanity's abilities and like breaking physical records and shit. If you go to the room next door, there's Street Fighter. It's not part of it, but they're here, right? That's the way this whole thing feels to me. So, me personally, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> we also just found out that Nebraska doesn't have an SF five scene, and that people in the chat are questioning if they have internet at all in nebraska which my family's from so no they don't yeah i mean look there's parts of texas that don't have high-speed internet like that you know something to think about uh but either way do we uh what else is there that we need to discuss about the intel world cup championship online qualifiers well at least for the u.s we know when those qualifiers are happening oh when they Uh, they happen they are going to take place every saturday uh, for nine weeks, starting on March 21st. Uh, so the big thing with that is that assuming uh, Capcom Pro Tour returns for 2020, this is going to uh, cr- cross over, or it's not going to cross over, it's going to fall on the dates of several uh, CPT events, including 
we know at least uh, final round, which is that first week, uh, 20th through 22nd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so. look, I, I am with Ultra David where he says, fuck the Olympics. I'm down. I'm down with fucking the Olympics. Here's why. Who cares? Right? We have our thing. Right? We have our... Uh, we have our uh, we have our final round. We have our pro tours. Whoever can't make it to those or doesn't want to make it to those is more than welcome to go do the Olympics thing. That's fine. I think it's actually a pretty good opportunity because now it's not going to be like oversaturated with a bunch of uh, a bunch of fucking tryhards. I'm kidding. Uh, but what I mean is like, you know, all the pro players are going to be doing their thing, and everybody else that wants to try out this Olympic thing can do that too. You know, we got options. Are you having fun, John? I'm sorry. Are you having fun? What are you watching? Are you I'm watching the like chat. a? Oh, okay. I thought you were watching like a Tekken thing on your phone. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, whatever, man. I, I, it's fine. Do you, do you guys have any opinions on it like mine, where I just kind of don't care about it? It, it really isn't here or there. I don't think that. I mean, it's fine. We'll have it as long as it's not like I said, getting in the way of anything else that's happening. That I think is totally all right. And and. and Hey, some people are going to get their kicks from it, and that's great. And it'll probably expand the scene. And what's the what? What are the opportunities that, or, or the scenarios where someone gets into fighting games because they see this or something like that, and then gravitates over towards the more you know traditional thing that we have going on uh, in the main FGC, right? So like, I don't I don't see a drawback from this yet, and so I'm I'm pretty fine with just having it go as it is. Yeah. How about you? Steve? I, I I feel like. This will probably won't be the thing, at least when it comes to Street Fighter, but it could very well be a good thing. What I'm most excited about is seeing players from other other areas that don't necessarily get that representation have a chance to shine on a on a global stage like this. Yeah. You know, it's cool to see American players do well. I'm happy for that. It's cool to see Japanese players get those opportunities. But I would love to see, you know, players from like if they have an african quality i would love to see you know players from regions that we don't normally get to see have this chance to play against players you know who who have made that big name so i hope we get that from this but hey weren't we all pissed off a couple weeks ago that japan and the u.s are gonna have to play for the sfl finals and it's not fair because the japanese are way better because the selection process is different and yeah which but apparently no one brought up the fact that the Olympics have been doing that for forever. So <laughs> I guess they haven't been doing that for forever. They just qualify faster through the tournament. Yeah. Um, you know who I want to see? But I don't see... think this is the same as that. Yeah. You know who I want to see qualify? This guy. China. Oh. A little tiny Ryu in a Speedo. Cute. He, he, he could make it happen. You know, it, he's just – it's very tough, tough to get a read on him. Yeah. You know, he's almost – it's not just his moves that are, are or his uh, uh, banana peel that's in the water. He's almost completely underwater. Yeah. Oh, look at him do the super shin sure you can. You know who I also want to see? I want to see this Abigail. I don't... See this Abigail. I can't see it, but I believe in it. See this Abigail. Check this shit out. That's super. Why not? Oh, it hit. And he's dead. Cool. I want to see that Abigail qualify. I think that'll be an insta win. Uh, oh, oh, how about uh, how about Shinokuma over here? Oh, jump over? Nah, fuck you. 
Does it make <laughs> online better or worse? Isn't this what people want from Street Fighter Five? Oh, with Demon into <laughs> into Punish. Well, it only did seventy percent, you know. So it's fair. But here's the the granddaddy of them all. Uh, and Is that where he combos Fierce Punch into Demon? Yeah. Here's the granddaddy of them all, though. Uh, this, for sure, I want to see qualify into the Olympics. Uh, we're connecting. Uh, but this this is the one that I want to see, for sure. Because, uh, you know, everybody complains about the Geef-Birdie matchup. You know, Birdie obviously wins it because he's got the cans and he's got the range. But, you know, why not just step all over him with one foot? <laughs> Remember Gen in Omega mode? Yeah, this is exactly what this was. I love how they sped this up, too. You can't even see the timer, right? So you don't know if he's about to time out or not. Ladies and gentlemen, Vanilla Cross Tekken has returned. Wait, wasn't this a Tatsunoko versus Capcom thing, too? Oh, shit, EX headbutt. Oh, no. Bodied. (laughs) I love how they sped it up. Oh, and just and just in case you know, if you didn't know, there is a combo, uh, an infinite prevention system. When it hits ninety nine hits, it pops you out. <laughs> yeah, Dusk found that out, I think. Yeah. Well, that's where I learned it. God, it's still going. Yeah. It's still... Oh, here we go. He got the hit again. See. Now, time go over. ahead. Well, now this guy, uh, what I've heard, I haven't done a whole bunch of deep digging on on this particularly, but what I've heard is that while he gets points, he has further hacked the game so that the players that he defeats don't lose their points. Hmm. So, I mean, maybe with the way people are feeling about online, I'm kind of worried. I recently saw Joker, and this could definitely cause like some anarchistic movement, you know, where it's like, yeah, we're happy with this, and this guy's not even taking people's points away. Maybe he becomes a hero. Yeah, he's like he's like the Robin Hood of the FGC. He's stealing the points from Capcom and giving so, it to so himself. Giving so him to himself. Really, yeah, he's not so really he is, so he is a white hat uh, Street Fighter Five hacker. But what happens if you run into a black hat Street Fighter Five hacker? He takes your account. <laughs> Then it, then you feel you have these feelings of loss and frustration and injustice after. Oh wait, that's regular ass Street Fighter Five on. <laughs> oh god, oh boy, shots Wish- fired. <laughs> but I mean, it does bring up you know a question like, online seems to be the future of fighting games, whether whether we like it or not. Yeah, online features are becoming more and more important in terms of what sells the game. And tournaments are going more and more online, you, you know, with the, especially with this Olympic qualifier. So how how important is it to snuff out stuff like this? I mean, watching it as a third party, this stuff is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have questions about what if someone hacks in a way that isn't as obviously perceptible? Like, okay, what if they uh, nerf damage by like 10%? something that a player might not uh notice offhand right it's it's about perception and it's about uh uh how people feel about it how legitimately they feel about it in the first place right this is just coming off as mostly funny because most of us are going to default to and well even if someone's screwing around online like i'm not losing too much like technically yes it's a problem capcom's gonna have to jump to this and do something about it 
but we're also not having tournaments where like a huge amount of stuff is on the line online, even though it kind of is now, I guess. But it, I don't think that anybody sees this and goes, oh, no, this is a problem. Not in the same way that they'd be like, oh, no, someone hacked into, you know, PlayStation and, and now they can see our, you know, our money and our, our, our saved credit cards, things like that. This is just like, oh, I guess this will be entertaining for a, for a minute while I watch this video, but I don't really care about online. Now, if it evolves to the point where people do care about it at that, uh, you know, at that level, then I think things change a little bit in perception and people get pissed off and such. But right now, I think, especially given the general reactions, it tells you how people view SF5 online. Yeah, well, I mean, look, how funny would it be if somebody playing Gigantic Geef qualified and nobody bothered to tell a TO and then they get to the actual tournament and they have to play with the regular Geef because it's offline? Shit would be fucking funny to me. Especially because it's the Olympics. Who cares? I would, Im- I would have to imagine how far would you get without that being noticed or reported? Yeah. Like, well, how who are you facing in those first rounds where someone gets beat by a big ass boot and thinks, you know what? That was an acceptable result. Yep. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I am okay with how that panned out. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing too. Uh, like we're, we're saying this, this is obviously in the same vein of it, but in a different context. Uh, a couple years ago when Red Bull first started doing the online qualifiers, uh, there was a couple players that got caught signing up for two brackets of the tournament because they had a bracket in the afternoon and a bracket in the evening. Mm-hmm. And those players weren't caught until somebody who knew those usernames were like, hey, this player played earlier. So, like, it ruined the tournament for a lot of people where they lost to said player and they only caught it after top 32. I guess my point is we're not really ready to take online seriously yet. And, and I think that no one was expecting otherwise. Yeah. So... Once we pass that, and I think I'm really looking forward to the next gen because I think that uh, obviously online has been leveling up in in pretty significant amounts. Mm -hmm. And what I remember from MK11, people have said it's gotten worse since like the first week or two. But man, that opened my eyes to like, this could really be a thing. It's like, it's not perfect yet, but you're already hearing that in places like Korea and Japan, it's it's much more efficient and practical to practice online. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're seeing examples of that. So, like, one more big push, you know, into the next generation of consoles and whatever comes next with our internet. Once my local internet levels up and I have better options for internet, right, then, uh, and when that becomes commonplace, I think then we'll start to take it more seriously. And we're almost there. Yeah, I hate, to, there, I hate to be the bearer. Of, I hate to be the bearer of that news, John, but I'm not as optimistic as you are about ISPs being better in the near future. With that said, though, there is something to look forward to in the future. Uh, the PlayStation 5 finally got an official, albeit slightly lackluster, announcement of its release date. Uh, it'll be released in the uh, fourth quarter of 2020. Uh, and we found this on the PlayStation blog. They actually wrote like a big old post about it. They uh, they wrote a little bit about how the new controller is going to work. Uh, there's going to be like uh, they're using haptic feedback instead of a rotor for your vibrations and your rumble feedback. Um, what that means is it's kind of like the Nintendo Switch. You remember when the Nintendo Switch first came out? Uh, they had the thing where you can shake the controller and it would simulate like exactly three ice cubes into a cup and you could tell it was exactly three ice cubes into a cup. So it's a very detailed kind of a feedback thing. Uh, and again, I noted at the top of the show, 
uh, develop developers will also be able to control how hard you have to press down the triggers. So it feels very much more realistic. Um, another thing that I think we have to be very wary of is uh, the network cards on the PlayStation 4s are ass. They're absolute fucking shit. And I've hated it since day one. You could have a very good internet connection, but because of that dumbass fucking net... I'm pointing at my PlayStation now because I'm pissed off at it. Because of that dumbass fucking network card in these goddamn PlayStations, everything's slow. Right? So it doesn't even matter about ISP. It's just got to be the fucking network card in the system. So, we have that to look forward to. Hopefully that will be improved. And I... Part of me is slightly optimistic that it will. Just because I think that was a big complaint when the PlayStation 4 first came out. Um, but yeah, do y'all have any thoughts? What are you looking forward to for PlayStation 2025? Well, the one thing I think about, at least from you know fighting game perspective, is because we've got the uh, uh, the Scarlet, which is uh, X, the Microsoft console coming out in the same window as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the... When you've got those two consoles, there's always that question of which one is going to be the dominant one in terms of tournaments. And I think we already have a winner right now because one of the features that they announced uh, with the PlayStation 5 is backwards compatibility. Oh, did they really? I think I skipped that paragraph. I just skimmed it. I can't read. You all know this. (laughs) Go on. So, yeah, it will be backwards compatible with PlayStation 4 and PlayStation VR games. So, uh, you know, we can play some Tekken 7 until Tekken 8 comes out. We can play Street Fighter 5 until Street Fighter 5.5 comes out. Mm-hmm. Now, are these going to be emulated? Or is the... Uh... Do we know this? I, be- <laughs> um, I don't believe it's emulation, because it would take a lot to emulate yeah. PS4. Uh, so I believe it's just going to be able to run wet like a, the set like the cell uh for ps3 mm-hmm. when it came to ps2 cool uh there's another thing too uh that recently got announced uh in the same vein of like next gen that i think applies to next generation stuff i think it was what was it it was the battlefield beta or the call of duty beta that came out is indeed crossplay where pc xbox and playstation can all play in the same place at the same time i think that's you think a big it's a matter of fact yeah, do you think it's like once the next generation drops, do you think it's matter of fact going to be crossplay or are we still going to be fighting the fight, especially well, with Sony? Here's the thing. Capital- capitalism always wins, right? So Sony has been putting up this fight now because they're obviously the ones in control of the of the console market, right? Uh, PlayStation 4 has been doing much better than the Xboxes. Uh, so they're the ones with all the power, so they've been withholding that. Flashback mm-hmm. to a couple years ago where the Xbox 360 was outselling the PS3 where same fucking thing happened, and because Xbox had all that power, they were the ones that were holding it back. And this was right before uh, the shit show happened with PlayStation, right? Because they had just released Portal 2, and it was a big fucking deal that it's like, you buy this once on the PlayStation, and you could also play it on Steam, and you could play it with your friends, and it was fucking groundbreaking. Then all this bullshit happened with the mm-hmm. hack and all this other stuff, even though that's just when it came out. It's not when the hack actually happened. Uh, so, bottom line is, capitalism is gonna decide and we are all powerless to influence it one way or the other i think but we do know that they've already started doing it with fortnite and uh rocket league and now this beta right so i just i guess i'm just asking you guys what your what your hunch is is if you think that it's going to be or i guess what degree are we going to see crossplay once it just drops 
Well, I, I think public opinion still kind of matters. So whoever says no is going to get shit on a lot. And I think that'll be enough for them to overturn the decision. But Steve, what do you think? I've talked enough. I think you're going to see some of the smaller devs. You know, it. I, I don't know how mu- how expensive or how much it would take to maintain crossplay between all all the platforms. So this might be something that you know, if you're Capcom, sure you can swallow that cost. If you're Another Realm, sure. If you're someone like uh, Lab Zero or an Arika, maybe that might not be as feasible for you. Mm-hmm. So, and I think those smaller games are definitely the ones that need it more because, you know, Street Fighter V, you talk about the player base, you know, not being as big as, you know, Street Fighter Four, whatever, it's still large enough where you don't have to worry about finding games. Yep. It's the smaller games where that's a much bigger concern. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is like there's a lot of other partnerships blooming in the console world, right? Uh, it wasn't too long ago that I think uh, Nintendo announced a partnership with Google Stadia where they're working together on something. Uh, or maybe it was Xbox. I don't know. But it was like they were working on something, and it was about streaming stuff. And and Sony actually signed a partnership with Microsoft as well as far as uh, figuring out cloud streaming stuff. So who knows what will happen? Maybe everything's just going to get bought out by one giant company, and we're all going to be in a uh, Chinese company. Yeah. We're all going <laughs> to have to bound out our Chinese overlords like usual. Thanks, China. I, I have made a mistake with this episode title. <laughs> hey, no, you haven't. Besides, it's going to be Disney who buys everything. Probably. Probably. Uh, and all of Disney's debts owned by a Chinese company. <laughs> uh, actually, probably not. They're probably not in debt at all. I don't know. I don't know how capitalism works. But either way, um, I'm kind of excited. Although, I, I will say this. I was going to buy a PlayStation 4 Pro. Just because I don't have one yet, but uh, now I'm not gonna do it. Because what the fuck's the point of spending 400 bucks just to play it for a year? Yeah, hold out for that 6K, that PlayStation Five. Yeah. Plus, like you know, that's trending coming out in like a month, so I think we'll be fine. Everything will be all right. Uh, but cool. So that's PlayStation Five. Do we have any other thoughts before we move on? No. No. I have, I have no thoughts. Okay. Cool. Ever. Um, Chris Egg and Tenno announced that uh, they have a new project in San Francisco about esports something something, right? What's the situation? Th- <sighs> That's what I forgot to look up today. Okay. Fuck. Well, uh, Chris Egg did post on Twitter that, oh, the cat's out of the bag. I'm doing this. And he got something approved by the city. If I'm not, uh, please stop me if I'm wrong because this is just recollection at this point. Um, uh, it got approved by the city that he's going to start a business that involves esports production, right? And he's centralizing it out of San Francisco, out of NorCal. Uh, and I think that's about all I know. Well, that's, yeah. Let me <laughs> let me put this to the chat. Okay. Obviously, this isn't something that you know we can guarantee. But would you want us to have Chris Sagan to talk about this? Nah. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I see one yes. I see one yes. That's enough. Get him. Book him. All right. So um, I'll I'll try and reach out to him, see if he, we 
can make it work sometime. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be down to chat with him, see what the sitch is there, what he can talk about, what he can't talk about, all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, that's all we know. Right? It's it's Chris Seg and not Tenno, or is Tenno a part of this whole thing? And for those of you that don't know, Chris Seg is the person who runs Tenno, which is which are the people who run all of the crazy fighting game streams that we all love and watch on a yeah, weekly basis. Evo, pretty much all the big ones, uh, especially Evo. But yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk about uh, a little <laughs> bit of free agency news. Go ahead. Uh, Knuckledo is now a free agent. Are you okay? Sorry, somebody in the chat says, as long as he's not pro Hong Kong, am I right? <laughs> uh, the fact that I'm laughing at this is bad, but this is the only way I can digest bad news. But either way, go on. Sorry. All right. So uh, earlier this week, uh, Knuckledo announced that he was uh, uh, parting ways with uh, Echo Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is on good terms. But Echo, if you're looking for a Street Fighter player, it is a good time to pick somebody up now. Yep. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that will on the uh, Street Fighter League. See if they'll like maybe blur out the Fox logo. Well, I mean, they haven't taped it yet, Steve. Don't just no, do oh, it on the right. fly. You're it's right. live. You're right. Is he even wearing his stuff on that? No, they have their I own uniforms. He... I think. No, they all have well, they do, their own but like, like, yeah, they're wearing the league shirts, but they have like hats and whatnot. Who so. wears hats anymore? Hmm. I don't wear hats. We'll see. Ya. UYU do does sound good, but not as good as UYU UU. Yeah, true. Um, UU, for sure, we do. But we also had some players picked up. A couple oh. of French players. Street Fighter player Mr. Crimson and DBFC player Wawa. They both got signed by AS Monaco. Oh, fancy. This is one of the big... Uh, well, Mon- Monaco's not part of it, of France, but they are um, in the French uh, top soccer league. League on. Mm-hmm. Um, my French pronunciation is horrible. Uh, it's League uh. League uh. I'm not even um, kidding. I am sorry, Damascus. I am sorry, every the entire French scene for butchering that. Yeah. Uh, well, like Monaco is like one of the richest countries in the world, right? Yeah, they got some money. Yeah, um, everybody goes there for F1 stuff. And then if you have enough money, you can just go to the casino and say, hey, here's $50,000. I'm going to gamble. And then they'll be like, oh, yes, please, sir. And please take one of our penthouses on the house. I'm not even kidding. That's how it happens. Yeah. I watched Archer. So that's how I learned yeah. about it. But no, that's really cool though. I didn't know uh I didn't know AS Monaco had or I didn't know Monaco had like an esports thing like that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean you're seeing more and more uh these soccer teams, uh football teams, uh wherever you are, uh signing players not just in FIFA where you'd expect, but making partnerships outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um Remember, I I don't I don't know if the partnership is still there, but uh, Luffy got signed by Besiktas, a Turkish soccer team, a while back. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing this more and more often uh, as these 
clubs try and find ways to expand their print, expand their brands. So. Yeah. Well, as it soon is- as they find out that there's no money in this, they're going to back out like always, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Not, oh, not AAA. They're here to stay. AAA is here to stay. Although that's probably all thanks to El Tigre at this point. Um, what else do we need to talk about? Uh, talked about the new project. Uh, we talked about the esports announcement. Oh, um, so let's talk about this tournament money shenanigans, right? Uh, recently, Electric Cancel decided to bump up the uh entry price to games to twenty bucks, as opposed to the standard tenner. And everybody has a different opinion about it. What do you guys? That think? was the. That was the other thing that started this conversation, and uh, in addition to the Smash mm-hmm. uh, tournament uh, results, right? You know, mm-hmm. when, people don't like seeing some of the top players do well, make top eight, get on that big stage, and not make their money back. Mm-hmm. So, the question is, how do you fix that? You know, one way to do it is by raising entry fees or for tournament fees mm-hmm. uh, because we should probably clarify for those who don't uh, go to events or go to a ton of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, ter- when you pay for a tournament, it's usually broken down into two parts. You have your venue fee and your tournament fee. The venue fee is, it goes to the cost of running the event, paying for the venue, uh, paying for commentators, if assuming they're paid, paying for, uh, bracket runners assuming they're paid and all of that sort of stuff. The stream, all that. Then you have the tournament fees, which generally speaking, if it's a tournament of any sort with any sort of reputation, 100% of that will be the prize pool, uh, for your event. So that is where uh, all of the prizing comes from. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if it's part of a pro tour, they'll sometimes throw in a pop bonus as well. So, the big the big point of discussion here is, ten like, if you're traveling to a tournament, right? You're spending let's let's give it a very very generous estimate of three hundred bucks for a round trip flight, if it's in the same country you're at. Yeah. Uh, another th- very generous three hundred dollars for a hotel stay. And on top of that, you're going to pay, like, what, like, 50, 60, right? Maybe, like, upwards of 70, 80 for some tournaments for the venue fee. And then your whatever tournaments you want to enter fees, right? So for somebody who plays, like, Street Fighter, Tekken, and Dragon Ball, that's, like, an extra 30 bucks to that. Uh, for yeah, the way the system is right now. Buying. What? All the vacation, all the, plus all the vacation-priced food that you're buying. Yep. And on top right. of that taking time off of work to do it. Yes, so which is a huge thing if you have if if you are employed, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the other part that, you know, when we talk about raising tournament fees, I think it's under you know, doesn't get looked at enough. Yeah. We have a large chunk of our our scene are young people, mm-hmm. you know, people either you know, us not insignificant chunk still in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh plenty of people in college you know with maybe just a side job mm-hmm. uh so not necessarily someone who has a whole bunch of savings they can pull from yeah so when we talk about 
raising fees, yeah, they're going to. I mean, we're we're seeing where we talk about four people sharing a room, a two bedroom room mm-hmm. or a two bedroom, you know, with a fifth person uh, sleeping on the floor. Yep. That's pretty standard. Yep. I remember uh, the first time I ever went to Evo. The only reason I was able to go is because a friend of mine had booked a hotel room via his uncle who owned Expedia or some shit. And we got basically like a hotel room for like 20 bucks total. And we still had like five people stay with us. So each person paid like three bucks. So like, and like, that's been like kind of the joke of the FGC, right? It's like, ah, poverty FGC, ha 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 ha. But you know, um, here's what I think. Like, do we want to see more money in the scene? Yes. Right. Do we want to see, uh, players earning more so that more people have uh, more opportunities uh, in the FGC, yes. Is it outlandish to raise entry fee prices? No. No, it's it's silly that they haven't been raised already. Yeah, like, I, I inflation, don't disagree. Yeah, well, go ahead. You're, you're yeah, saying. I don't disagree. But here's the thing. And this is, this is something I've made a comparison to before. What makes games like Hearthstone, sorry, China, uh, Fortnite, and League of Legends so attractive. They have millions of players, and they're free to play. Exactly. The buy-in for those games is zero. Right, and you just play online, and as far as I know, like, there's no, like, actual, like, real-life tournaments that aren't, like, you, you don't have a team that's paying for your trip to go am i wrong in saying that i'm sure there are some but not on big level right i mean i think your your point is not lost right so the buy-in for those games is exactly zero dollars it's just time which everybody has at the end of the day so while the allure of the fgc is the inclusive like everybody can go to this and everybody can enter the fact of the matter is I, that shit's still hard because you have to pay your own way if you don't have if you're not fortunate enough to be sponsored or if you're not fortunate enough to have that money set aside, right? So it's it's a tough thing, and like I said, I don't disagree with the fact that prizes have to be raised, but in the context of you know paying like over a thousand dollars just to get there, it, yeah. it it's a hard pill to swallow. And keep in mind those the, that price raise isn't in a vacuum. Right. Because if you if you're comparing your cost now to maybe the event you went to in 2016, uh, price of airfare probably went up. If you're taking a bus or uh, or driving, price of gas probably went up. Price of your hotel probably went went up. Price of food probably went up. So you you know it's not just a ten twenty thirty dollar increase mm-hmm. it's a ten twenty thirty dollar increase on top of all the other increases that you're already paying right so and this is and this is one of those things where i don't i i may have an answer to it, and this is just like a theoretical thing just because again I don't know shit I don't run tournaments I don't look at budgets i don't I'm not privy to any of that information, so I truly have no idea but uh my proposed solution is this. Where does all that sponsorship money go? Right, we have sponsors like uh, the like uh, Victrix, and like we used to have HyperX, sure. and we have uh, Cup of Noodles was there, and we have Totinos and all this other stuff. Where is all that money going? 
And again, this is a genuine question. It's not me being skeptical or anything. It's a what do you mean? Question. Like, where is it going? Doesn't it just go to the players that they give it to, or, or like, what do you, what are you specifically no, when, asking? When, when a couple, like, remember, uh, Totino sponsored. I think it was SCR a while back. Yeah. Where did that money go? Don't they give SCR money and it goes into the production, paying the the crew yeah. and putting up the right. lights and all that stuff? Right. Yeah. Let, let me give you. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. Talk for talk for thirty seconds. Okay. Here's well. Here's yeah, the other thing. Like Leffen was saying, uh, we should have money from Nintendo, and uh, and I'm thinking like, no, Nintendo's. I mean, that'd be nice, but Nintendo has it's their prerogative, and why would they? You know, like they they're not, they don't have to invest by any means, and right. in fact, it's probably, I mean, it's more efficient for them to uh, not like this is small fish for them. They've got a lot of bigger other stuff going on, so. I don't think it's coming from there. I think that asking for more money for these things as these events have grown and inflation has happened and Mm -hmm. something that wasn't traditionally driven by money. I don't think most people that go to events were not going to make money, right? right? Right. Now, that's not to say that people aren't doing that now. The pros are doing that now. And we're trying to get to a place where you can live off of doing this. And some of the people like Leffen that are doing that right now are running into hard times because we're in this weird transition where all of a sudden this thing that people did pretty much primarily out of passion mm-hmm. has become something that some people do for money, but it's not there yet. The money isn't there yet. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know, like so like Leffen asking for Nintendo to do it, to front the bill, it's like I don't think that's going to work. And I think that upping the the entry fee will have somewhat of an impact depending on how big the event is and such. But I don't know that that fixes everything. Mm-hmm. Valle has been putting up a lot of a lot of excuse me hypotheticals. Like if we made it this much and we had this many entrants, this is how much top eight gets paid mm-hmm. out or top three or how we would do it. And those are some pretty enticing numbers. But ultimately, I think that we have to continue going down this path of esports and there has to be more in the way of money and sponsorship and such before this can really be a thing. And the other side of it is how many pros are there like Leffen out there that this actually affects in this way? You know, that, that's the other thing. It's like a pretty small percentage of our overall, um, you know, population here in the FGC. So it's like, that's another thing to think about, but I probably yeah. stalled long enough for Steve. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Smash is in a little different boat because, True. you know, whereas Street Fighter, you know, whenever we talk about any any fighting game, you know, the pro scene is a very small percent of what, you know, of the entire player base. Mm-hmm. But Smash, it's basically a rounding error because that game sold 13 million copies. And not only do they not uh, sponsor, you know, Smash in significant ways. You know, they kind of extend courtesies. You know, they they provide some small things, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. But they actively do not want pr- the pro scene to be what people think of when they think about Smash. Yeah, because they're afraid of you know, no items, Fox only, Final Destination, pushing away that casual player base. So they kind of hold that scene at arm's length. Now, the reason I had you uh, stall for a second is because uh, one of the things that uh, sponsorship and uh, those that extra money goes into is something like this. Y'all remember this? Yeah. Uh, this was the Combo Breaker uh, Players Guide or the uh, Attendee Handbook mm. uh, that was given out to every attendee. Um, there's a cost in printing this. Yes. 
There is a cost in, uh, you know, I got paid a fair amount for my contribution to it. There were other artists in here that got paid a fair amount for their contribution into this. But this was something that enhanced the experience for all players. Mm -hmm. So it may not have been necessarily something and and these were given away for free so there wasn't any income coming off of this but it does make a player more likely to come back it makes an attendee more likely to come back in the future knowing that hey they get something cool like this Mm -hmm. so it might not directly increase prize pools but it could it has the effect of you know growing the entire event so that prize pools across all games grow yeah um, but to the point that I was getting is this. Um, so when I had posed the question, like, where is all that sponsorship money going? So we have uh, programs and uh, memorabilia, right? Uh, Paco Stevens said that it usually all goes to adverts, power costs, internet, console, and TV rentals, etc. Is the venue fee only paying for the venue? And how is that calculated, right? Because, like... What I'm getting at is this. I'm assuming whoever's running the tournament is hoping to at least break even on the venue fee. And what that looks like as attendee numbers, what that looks like on the books, I have no idea. Um, so my proposal would be to try to direct sponsorship money a little bit differently. Um, and especially especially because I also think – and this is my my personal opinion – uh, no hate to anybody that likes this or whatever, but I think the format of tournament streams is feeling very dated, and I think we could do better in order to attract more sponsorship opportunities, right? The watch 20 minutes of matches and sit through 5 minutes of advertisements, I think, is starting to be a little bad towards the viewing experience and the player's experience as well. So... I think, especially because broadcasting is such a big part of streaming now, I think we could leverage more opportunities for sponsorships via the advertisements or even via the venue itself, right? Why, instead of calling uh, Pool Station 1, Pool Station 1, why not fucking HyperX Station? Why not Totino Station? Here's the question. How much value does HyperX get from that? And that, and you know, and this is this is just like all hypothetical. Uh, again, like I, like I said, I don't think this is the answer, but I am posing it as a possible solution. I think that you need a bunch of little things, like a raised venue fee would do some of the work. Yeah. Um, now we were talking about this earlier, and uh, just like Event Hub's chat and, and part of the podcast that'll come out tomorrow. Um, but it, we were talking about Leffen and Smash specifically, and I think this. Uh, this is more realistic for the Smash crowd because mm-hmm. of how big it is and because of how the Smash, uh, the top Smash players become a little... They're, they're definitely celebrities that people want to, uh, mm-hmm. well, I guess, consume in certain ways, right? Uh, but the idea is that you might have pros come out and um, and have, like, meet and greets with them that people would pay to do, like a VIP pass where you can go and you can play a set with Leffen and you can, you know, get an autograph or something like that. And, and not just him, but like a, a handful of the pros and do things that way. Uh, there's also talk of having giving the pros a free pass on the first day to like the secondary bracket so that they wouldn't have to play there and but that they could do all this on like the first day of the event. 
uh, a lot of that is going to make people go, whoa, no way, you know, the, the snake exclamation points are going to pop up. But that's, I mean, the the bottom line is the money's not there now. Right. And it's we're, it's starting to become a thing where we need more money in order for us to justify it. Because, again, like I said, it's not mm-hmm. solely a passion thing anymore. Right. So the goal is to start brainstorming ways to bring more money. And, like, I, what you're doing there, like, well, okay, so bring some sponsors, raise the fees a little bit. And then, like, how else can we make these make more money until uh, it just becomes its own kind of machine that, that runs on autopilot and generates enough of its own accord. So. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, when we talk about prize pools, you know, prize splits, whether it's top eight, top 16, and I kind of feel like we need to change up the split of prize pools a little bit uh, to make that better for top four, top eight. So, but that's, you know, that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh but we're talking about things that impact eight players, maybe 16 players in a tournament of as many as a few hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to a tournament, you know, half the people are going 0 and 2 or 1 and 2. They're not sniffing the money. So you have to make sure that whatever cost you have is it, it feels like everybody who attends get something out of that. Speaking of getting something. (laughs) What's up? What's up, everyone? Yeah, so, uh, Mike, we're currently talking about uh, how to get more money into prize pools. Well, I I liked the point you were making about how bad tournament screams are. Mm -hmm. um, Because I tend to agree. Um... I don't know exactly how that relates to getting more money in the tournament prize pools, but I also think that that's a request from players that just can't necessarily be fixed at the drop of a hat. And it's just kind of something that comes to a, to a sport or an event Yeah, is, is that sponsors want to put money into it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that we can do is present our product better and make more people watch it. Right. So in that sense, I think that, yeah, putting on better streams is a big answer. Some of the biggest FGC streamers at this point, I mean, think of Sejam, have have gotten to there purely by doing analysis of games and going into stuff that we never do on streams. Mm-hmm. We've had like two failed attempts in the line in, in like the ten years I've played fighting games. I, I remember two times where we did like an analyst desk, and both times it was thrown together as a hodgepodge, and it was complete garbage. Mm-hmm. And the people on the analyst desk would admit it. Meanwhile, you watch League of Legends Worlds, which is on right now, and in between every match, you know, they're not going into crazy stuff. It doesn't have to be, like, incredibly nerdy frame data stuff, but they're going over instant replays and pointing out this guy did this and this guy did that, and and it's interesting. It helps people who are watching figure out what's going on. They're doing that on Street Fighter League. They are, yeah, and that's a good good jump in the right direction. But as Mm -hmm. Alon said... The, the average Sunday tournament is, and those are where people want the prize pools, and that's where the prize pools aren't currently. It's, you know, watch the same HyperX chair ad yeah. that you've decided you did or did not want to buy five years ago. Yeah. The, the point that I was making with that is I think making uh, a product like a stream more attractive to sponsors I think is a good avenue to take to inject more money into tournaments. Um, I think one production ever got it right, in my opinion, and that was uh, E-League. 
when they did the Microsoft sponsored tablet telestration segment. Granted, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that is a great thing to a pimp out Microsoft's tablet and all the cool shit it does. Pimp out the talent that's on the stream and show how knowledgeable they are, and entertain the crowd as well to like show how like crazy the gameplay that they are watching is. I think Infinity did something like that as well, uh, especially on the UK version. Now the problem is that's very easy to do when you have, you know, all these huge companies behind you. Like E League had Turner Broadcasting right. behind it. Uh, Gfinity had plenty of sponsors mm-hmm. on their end. You know. Who does final round have? Who's going to put up that money to put to have more or less an, an extra production team able to create that sort of content on the fly? Because there is a cost with that. And... Right. And, and what I'm getting at is I think we need to put a little bit more work into how we present the content in order for that to happen. Right. Because uh, uh, where, I, where I work now is we do telestration and analysis videos. And after doing this for a while, it's not that expensive and it's not that hard to do. It just takes a little bit of work up top. Right. Um, right. And, and you're doing that at one site, though. Right. W- at multiple times a week. Right. Whereas at final round, you know, if it's, fi- if it's coming from final round rather than Capcom mm-hmm. or Bandai Namco, that's something you do once a year, basically. Right. And the co- And justifying that cost is a lot harder. Although usually it's going to be the production company that probably fronts that. And the production company for FGC tournaments in the U.S. at least is is pretty much monopolized. Or at least, you know, there's maybe like two to three. So, yeah. But uh, is I think we need to find a solution in presenting segments like that instead of having just, hey, uh, sponsor a tournament. We'll play your ad once every hour. And we'll shout you out with a title card, and that's it, right? Uh, like, there's there's a lot of dead time yeah. in FGC streams yeah, compared and, to other events I watch. Yeah. Just a lot, exactly. And you can make the argument of like, oh, they're setting up matches for the next round. It's like one thing that uh, I think the main reason why I stopped going to tournaments, and this is just a personal thing. I'm not saying this is bad or this is wrong or anything, but I could not handle waiting an hour or so between matches oh man (laughs) right like that to me is like it drove me insane and it ruined my time personally and that's why i no longer do it uh specifically when you're waiting on somebody who's playing on stream right because you have the stream that's on deck and this can lead to the whole discussion of uh tournaments being catered to players or to the audience uh when i think in fact like it has to be creatively for both what I'm getting at is I think if we can find a way to streamline the way we present our content so that it is more attractive for somebody like a couple noodles or like a bigger company like that to say, hey, I want my logo on that stream because there's a shit ton of eyes watching it and we're going to get a big return on this investment. I think that's a great way to inject more money into the FGC in general, not just tournaments, right? Because that's going to so- give us more uh, – more money that's going to give us more uh, visibility and that's going to make our product quote unquote more attractive to others. So why did this come up again? Sorry, I was I was driving home before I got on this. Was this because of like Leffen tweeting or was this what was Yeah. yeah. There's been a big discussion recently over raising entry fees uh 
two tournaments, not venue fees, but entry fees. I think uh, Electric Cancel this past week was a big uh, example of it where the entry fee to enter Tekken was 20 bucks instead of the original 10. Yeah, whereas, you know, uh, Big House uh, was $10 and people were getting mad that someone was taking home 270 for making top eight. I mean, so. that's... <clears throat> I, I understand that we're not making enough money argument when it comes to pot, like splitting the pot and you're saying that's you know, people who do well should, we, we want people who do well to be able to go to more tournaments. But if the money is just not there in the first place, there's not necessarily anyone to blame for that. Right. I like, I mean, like, I don't, how mad can you really get? We can, we can raise tournament fees. And if the overall prize pool goes up, I mean, you can try to call that a good thing. You'd see if it actually does. Maybe less people enter the tournament. I doubt it. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing it would be more money in the prize pool if you up the tournament entry fee. I'm guessing most people would still enter. Um, currently, are. Yeah. some people would drop off, of course. Yeah. But then the, you have the, the thing. Is, though... thing. I, I just don't know how you can get, like, complaining about not making enough money in your given sport, it, it's tough. It's a tough issue. Like, I hope people do it, but it's not really on anyone to fix the big thing for well someone like leffen and again he's a very small percentage of the population here though is that he has a very successful stream and he streams almost all the time and so we were talking about what does it cost to go to an event not only does it cost all of those things and then i guess you guys did say time off work too we added that well time off work means you know leffen not streaming and when it comes down to it uh, it just doesn't become worthwhile for someone like him to go to a tournament when he could just stay at home and pull like, you know what Zero is doing now. Yeah, we're right? just streaming all the time. Eris is doing. And um, and it's like, man, that's a pretty good problem to have, though. It's like I don't make as much money when I go win tournaments as I do when I stay home and stuff. Right. But <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like you're going to have to start justifying getting people to, to leave uh, their streams and actually come out to, to make less money with traveling and such. And I guess there are some some just natural reasons why outside of money that you'd want to get outside of the house and go to an event and see people and whatnot. But it's becoming a thing for top streamers like that. And so then the question becomes like, well, are we going to start losing them? And are they just going to stay at home all the time? And then does the uh, competitive scene fall apart? And I am very hesitant to go down that route because I don't think that it's that's the case by any means. I don't think most people aren't top players and then also not all top players stream and stream successfully and some could and they don't some just don't have the personality for it or the drive to do it um but that's another thing to take into account is that you have to compete with how profitable it is for the uh for the top dogs to just stay at home and stream yeah we... I mean, it, they've got to look at their best interests if, if every top player stops going to tournaments eventually your game's going to stop being popular right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i think most of them do that with that in mind and they go wanting to do it and yeah as you said it's a good problem to have for the most part yeah i mean if people want to pool together and say let's try to make fgc streams better <laughs> so that we can make more money and get better sponsorships that's great i think everyone agrees with that but complaining that there's not enough money in winning tournaments and that you know, your stream is more profitable. Like, what the hell does that do? Yeah. I don't know. It's garbage. I mean, I think Leffen's... It's funny because... So well, yeah, Leffen's argument, or one of his one of the things he says was, like, I, I he wants Nintendo to front the bill. And it's like, well, first of all, you're asking Nintendo... I was talking with Majin Ten Shinhan on Event Hubs about this, and he was saying this, so credit goes to him for this idea. But, you know, he's like, well, you're asking Nintendo 
to pay for you to go and, and, and put more money into this big, not pay for him to go, but put more money into these events and stuff. But dude, you're at home streaming their game, you know, like they, they benefit just as much, you know, having you home doing this thing too. So that was part of his argument too. That didn't really, uh, didn't really work, but I thought it was funny and you called him an idiot and I would piggyback off of that. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so unfortunately it is just about that time at seven thirty on the dot. Uh, do we have any final thoughts before we leave? Um, I, I forgot to mention Red Bull Conquest is this weekend. Oh, shit. Uh, so that's right. Los Angeles and Houston. One piece of note, uh, uh, news. Uh, Rick Tejado, uh, who is associated with uh, Tekken World Tour, announced today that future events uh, in the Red Bull Conquest series will not be dojo events on the uh, Tekken World Tour because of... Uh, the limited uh, Red Bull Conquest limits entry to American players, and that goes against the open entry rule uh, for the Tech World Tour. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, which I think is a smart move and a small oversight that, you know, uh, is unfortunate that we didn't figure that out until now. But, you know, what can you do? Uh, good that he made that announcement and that they're getting that taken care of instead of having... Uh, I know that some people raised concern that, like, a lot of people from Canada were going to travel down to the Seattle qualifier. Uh, so I think it, it's unfortunate that that was not said earlier. But, you know, big oversight. It happens. Um, cool. So that's been us. That's been Best of Five this week. Uh, I'm sure Ultra Chen is going to talk about all these things and more. So please go watch them. Uh, but for now, this has been uh, Donka, Michael, Donka, Schiller, Donka. Uh, over here to my left, uh, big old John Velociraptor Guerrero over there, and uh, the Steve Main Squeeze Offsuit Jurek all the way over there on the right. That uh, name is never going to die. It will not, and it's great. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about more shenanigans and more crazy shit. And, and China. And China. <laughs> all hail China. <laughs> all hail China. All hail China. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on the flip side. Goodbye. Goodbye.